That's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Friends and welcome into the third ever episode of Zone Star State Swarm. It is a podcast for non-Division One basketball teams in the state of Texas. This week we're going to be talking basketball. That's what we're doing. Texas women's left a road trip through West Texas with two big victories. And what does that say about them? Speaking of things, what happened to UMHB men? They hit a cliff this last weekend. Texas Lutheran women, big time win over Colorado College. We will get into that. And we're also going to discuss which games we're watching this week. I'm Corey Hogue, the non-D1 insider for Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball. Find me on your favorite social media channels, at Corey Hogue Sports. It's all one word. And you can find my work on texasfootball.com backslash basketball. texasfootball.com backslash basketball joining me again is riley zayas he is an expert on all things division three athletics and he is also the owner operator of true to the crew.com find him there find the true to the crew on all the social media channels find riley's personal twitter where he's been going around doing division three book he's got some great things coming out it's at zayas riley all one word z-a-y-a-s r-i-l-e-y and speaking of all the good things coming out he's got some new stuff happening here he is now the managing editor of the big and the best of d3 texas newsletter completely focused on d3 sports in texas and he's going to be writing a lot of stuff there give that a look give that a shout riley my man you're adding you're writing a book you do you you work on true to the crew. You do lots of things nationally for Division Three for D three hoops and D three football, and you said, you know what? I'm not busy enough. I need more. <laughs> What's up? Yeah, with that? you know, I, I mean, I don't know, Corey. Can't really explain it. I, I will say there's been several others who have uh, definitely come alongside and helped uh, launch this newsletter. But really, it's just a desire to cover all the. Great things happening in the state of Texas. You know, there, there, there's a, a need for coverage across the board and across all sports here for, for the things the great, you know, institutions and programs are accomplishing. So it's our goal to cover all that and bring you some some original and interesting content. Yes, and so visit d3texas.substack.com, and that's where you can sign up for the newsletter I went and did last night. 
Uh, that's right. I'll learn things from there because Riley knows so much about those D3s and, and it'll keep you up to date. So definitely give that a look. Riley, it was a big weekend of basketball and there were a lot of interesting uh, results around. And I, I take a look. We we kind of share some of what the D2 SIDs and, and some of the D3 uh bracket prognosticators say i guess it is that's that's what we're looking at we don't have regional rankings yet so we're trying to figure out where teams would be and i, I want to start uh this week Let, let's start with division three and and first off i think it's important i know this is a podcast about texas but my goodness riley that atmosphere you were in last weekend that was just incredible for basketball it really was. It's the the Hope College versus Calvin University rivalry up there in Western Michigan. And I'll tell you what, to be in an arena like that, especially at the Division Three level, just the 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 intensity, the emotion, uh, that rivalry is a big part of both of those communities in, in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area. And uh, it was a lot of fun to be in attendance there just to just to see it all. It's one of those things you really have to – you can see videos all the time, but, but to actually be there and experience it, is a completely different feel and certainly hope, you know, maybe we can over time develop some of those rivalries here in the state of Texas at the small college level to where, you know, it does get to that point where the communities are so invested in the student bodies as well. I would love to see a lot more people attending this, the basketball and uh, you know, the other night, this last weekend, Dallas Baptist number four visited number one, West Texas A&M. They had 3000 people there. Right, like West Texas A&M will show up when Lubbock Christian comes. Yep. They've already said they got to take the tarps off of the seats in the upper deck to fill in uh, the first United Bank Center. Those are rarities, right? The fact that we right. get those at some, I just, I wish we had that at more. I think everybody wishes that as well. But that was that was just a great scene, and it was great yeah. basketball. Uh, and and I'm glad you're back and also yep. glad you're feeling better you know last <laughs> week riley riley's been a traveler he lost his voice and stuff so we didn't record one last week uh but thankfully he's back this week and we get to talk about it so let's come back to texas a little bit and i'm looking at the d3 men trinity we've talked before i think they're in i i, I think regardless they're in the question becomes who wins the ASC? They're in. But if Harden Simmons does not win the ASC tournament, are they a playoff team? Yeah, and that's that's such a difficult question, right? Because we're looking at these numbers and regional ranking projections and things. Uh, you know, we get our first regional rankings next week, but they're only alphabetical. So that doesn't really give us a good idea of where Harden Simmons may stack up you know, within region 10. So, you know, I actually went over to uh, d3datacast.com. They do a fantastic job of projecting uh, regional rankings. And one of the things that you're going to see there is that Harden Simmons is currently projected to be the third uh, team in region 10, which would mean they would, they would be in as long as they keep winning. And if they win out, reach the ASC semifinals, win there and lose in the ASC title game, and I think they would have a good shot. We'll see. So I think they have to be feeling pretty good about where they're at. But again, they play a tough league. The ASC has shown it's deep uh, this year, and you really can't take anything for granted. So definitely, Harden Simmons has to keep winning. And yeah, I think Trinity is not only in. I think they're 
about as close to a lock as you can get for a first weekend hosting opportunity, which is a big deal for Trinity right now. Yeah, that's huge, and that, that's great for them. But, okay, I want to get into in the committee, right? They, they don't rank in Division Two and Division Three are different. Division Three is a true national tournament. Uh, the regional rankings only help decide who's getting into the national tournament. In right. Division Two, you play teams within your region, so those region rankings are what matters for your playoffs. So when we look at the regional rankings, we see Trinity at the top, Hardin-Simmons third, St. Thomas fourth. That doesn't mean that those, that Hardin-Simmons and St. Thomas will be getting in, and there's a good right. chance if neither one of them win their conference tournament, whether Hardin-Simmons loses in the finals or not, here's the debate. One of these two teams is in. That's what we're going to say right now. It's In Pool C, it's going to be either Hardin-Simmons or St. Thomas right now. If they if it comes down to them and they're head to head, how in the world does Harden Simmons get picked uh, ahead of them because St. Thomas won head to head and has a win against Trinity while Harden Simmons doesn't have any good wins on their resume. Right. And that's that's the difficult question right now because you know Harden Simmons currently has a, a little bit of advantage in strength of schedule, a little bit of advantage in terms of winning percentage. But as time goes on, you know, we, we still got plenty of games left to be played. Those numbers may change a little bit. And at that point, if it gets close enough, that's where that head-to-head result that you mentioned, Corey, with St. Thomas beating Harden-Simmons would definitely come into play, allow St. Thomas to maybe jump Harden-Simmons. Now, you know, if you look at things, it, the way that the regional rankings go – with the automatic qualifiers, they take out the automatic qualifiers first, and then you you know it's kind of next man up at that point. So you know it would, it would, there's a good chance that Harden Simmons and, and St. Thomas would be those first two teams to be taken off the board in Region Ten. But again, as you said, Corey, and, and pointed out, which is important to note, that doesn't mean that either one of them could get picked in Pool C. The committee does not have to go region by region and select one from each. Uh, so that's a, a definitely an interesting topic. And again, this is why we talk about games in November and December can come back into play big time, come selection, selection time. And, and we may see that here with that St. Thomas Harden Simmons result, potentially playing a much bigger factor than maybe we could have even expected back in, uh, in November when they played. It matters much more than it does in division two. Much more. Division two does have them, and we'll get to that. We're going to get over into our division two uh, here in a minute. We'll we'll head over to the division two men, but it's just interesting to me to see that it, you take out Trinity, they win the SCAC. We'll say now, of course. Hey, look, St. Thomas could throw a wrench into this, right? right. St. Thomas can beat Trinity. They've already done it once. They get to play them again next week, and then if it comes to the SCAC tournament and St. Thomas. They've got that experience. They're the yep. defending champs, right? So they're, they're going to be a team that if they get the automatic bid, now you've got Trinity. The other one is the uh, Skyak with yeah. Cal Lutheran. If Cal Lutheran doesn't win their conference, those teams are both ahead of Hardin-Simmons and St. Thomas. Right. The only way... Those two can ensure they get in is to win their conference tournament. I think I think no yeah. matter what we say from week to week, that remains the same right now. But here's a question. 
if St. Thomas beats Trinity heading into the SCAC tournament, they've got two wins over them. Yep. Trinity's a lock. We know that. But does is that going to push St. Thomas ahead of not only Harden-Simmons, but does that put them in the lock maybe ahead of Trinity? Yeah, that, that's definitely a, a question because when you start to look at not only one head-to-head result, but two – you know, a 2-0 you know, record against Trinity there in that case for St. Thomas. Like, it's really hard to to not have St. Thomas ahead. Now, again, that's where you get into strength of schedule, results versus regionally ranked opponents, and these different things that we really won't know for sure until we get a little further into this and we start to see these numbers stabilize a little more, especially those results versus regionally ranked opponents, which come to play in a big way. Um, very highly valued by the the National Day 3 Committee and, and the, the Regional Advisory Committees as well uh, when they rank these teams. But, yeah, that's definitely an interesting topic to follow because, again, in Division 3, like these regional rankings play a big deal. And I think at this point we got to say uh, Harden-Simmons' path to the tournament, their only safe path is by winning the American Southwest Conference Tournament. I don't think you want to leave yourself up to a pool seat chance, especially not in this year where – We've seen a lot of conferences that are two, three, four teams deep. And, you know, the conference tournament could go one way or another. And you get those bid stealers in of teams that don't, you know, like a Trinity, if Trinity were to lose the SCAC tournament, they would get up, we'll see, and be considered a bid stealer in that case. So Harden Simmons really needs that ASCAQ. It's like the Division One tournament. You need the favorites to and those that are locked in to win, to get an automatic qualifier, do what they need to do. Um, meanwhile, nobody hurt themselves worse last weekend than Mary Hart and Baylor. Uh, Riley, what in the world has happened to the crew? Yeah, it's definitely been a, a topic of discussion, not only within Texas, but nationally this year. And, you know, you may be obviously enter the year, pretty high expectations, back-to-back trips to the second weekend of the national tournament each of the last two years. And then this year, it's it's definitely been a very different story. Um, I think there's been a, a lack of offensive consistency. You know, we saw it against ETBU where things clicked early on, especially in the first half, and then slowly it just uh, the 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 flow of the offense kind of fell away. They also, you know, talked with head coach Cliff Kerr after the game against ETBU, tough loss there on the road, but he talked about the rebounding playing a pretty big role. They were actually out-rebounded by negative six against ETBU and also out-rebounded by four uh, in the loss to Laterno, a one-point loss in Longview and just a 1.5 rebounding margin for them right now uh, definitely needs to be better. But again, one of the things that we also maybe may have not accounted for, at least I didn't was how big of an impact losing Ty Prince and Luke Feely was going to be, uh, especially on the boards. The, the rebounding has just not been there. It hasn't been there consistently. And so even in the games where they've shot the ball, well, they've struggled to stay in the league because of the rebounding and, and notably giving up a lot of offensive rebounds, which lead to those offensive putbacks and some easy points for the opponent. So, you know, I think UMH is in a tough spot right now because they're just fighting to make the American Southwest Conference tournament, much less the NCAA tournament. As we talked about Harden Simmons, Harden Simmons is really the only team from the AFC with even a slight chance of a pool C bid. So UMH is going to have to win the whole league. And it's just been a difficult season because it, it hasn't seemed like the – the rises and falls have been 
you know, steady. You know, sometimes you see with teams, as we'll talk about with some teams in a minute, you know, they, they might take a fall early on in the year. We saw that with UMHB with a, a few game, you know, losing streak early on, but things usually start to stabilize and they just really haven't for UMHB up to this point. I know they're trying to figure it out, but at this point in the year, you only got a few weeks left and, and you got to make something happen. And at this point, focus has to be on making the conference tournament. Well, uh, yes, and that is uh, not a given for them right now. And you talk about rebounding. They gave up 18, and this is where it is. It's not – when we talk rebounding in basketball, defensive rebounding is important. But right. not the number of defensive rebounds. What's important is how many offensive rebounds are you allowing the other team, right? Absolutely. That's why when you start talking about rebounding margin and stuff – I don't put as much stock into that analytically because I think offensive boards is where you see uh, where the biggest difference is. And right here, East Texas Baptist crew had five ETBU had 18 offensive rebounds. So while UMHB had 28 defensive rebounds to the 21 of ETBU, they lost the rebounding margin because they gave up eight, they could they had eighteen opportunities to get a rebound that they missed, and that would have changed the entire game for them. You look against Laterno; they had nine. That's better. They gave up eight. That's again eight opportunities that you give up. And when you when you do that, second chance points thirteen for Laterno. That's another. It not just happened, but then you got to fix them right. One point game against Laterno, and they had 13, the Yellow Jackets had 13 second chance points. UMHB had nine, and of course you look at ETBU, it's 16 to eight. You you want to look at what's wrong with UMHB right now, Riley? I think uh, think we could text Coach Carroll and tell him he's right, it's the rebound. <laughs> yeah, I, it was disappointing too because you look at the fact that they haven't lost these games by wide margins, right? A lot of their losses – are by pretty narrow margins or games where they were leading at half by a couple of points and, and kind of lost in the second half. The UT Dallas game is is kind of a, a good you know indication of that. And I would just add to your point on the offensive rebounding. You know, second chance points are big. Just an offensive rebound period extends the possession, right? It makes you play defense for a little bit longer, which wears you down a little bit, and then also limits your time with the ball in your hands. Uh, and, and those are things that you know really challenge you that aren't going to necessarily show up in the box score, but still factor in quite a bit, especially late in the second half. When you are, you're dealing with that fatigue, you give up an offensive rebound, it restarts the shot clock. Now you got to play defense for another, you know, 20 seconds. Yes. And see, that's the thing. That's why it's so important to not give up those offensive rebounds, because like you said, that's an extra possession. That's basically a turnover. Right, you you put up look at offensive rebounds given up and turnovers. You add those together, probably the team with the least amount is it has a much greater chance of winning those. It, it makes sense. the uh, The reason is, and and again, you talk about analytics, but it, it's just common sense in a lot of ways. What we call analytics, Riley, like uh, another possession means that I now have a forty five to fifty percent chance of making a, a shot again. If you only give me one, that's forty five to fifty percent for one shot. Yeah. You give me two and three, I'm likely to the percentages say my chances of making those are much higher. And that's why 
it's, it's it really you break it down simply that's what it means it's a much higher chance for them to get them and it is a problem uh for the crew this year and it, it doesn't look like a problem they're going to be able to solve but if they figure it out they can be dangerous and make a run good weekend last weekend for etbu they needed it they have really strengthened their position in the conference for the tournament now uh also good weekend for texas dallas ut dallas is right there i don't think they're going to get into the pool c conversation but that is a team to watch uh when it comes to somebody trying to steal hard knock hard and simmons out you know when it comes tournament time so honestly riley we got a lot of stuff to watch here in the coming weeks and it's going to be a lot of fun and then when you look at the women's side i i think there's not a whole lot for us to talk about on the women's side from last week. There really wasn't just a ton of, uh, of movement, so to speak. I think one of the teams that um, really helped themselves, though, was Texas Lutheran. Winning that game over Colorado College was important, not just for their chances of uh, getting into the turn, which – Let's face it, they, they're going to need to beat Trinity, I believe. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's important for their conference seeding. They now own the tiebreaker with two wins over Colorado College. Yeah, I mean, that's big, right? When you start to look at conference tournament and those types of things, like one seed you know, gives you a favor, more favorable matchup in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, sometimes you always see where teams will end up having to play a team that they don't match up well against, even though that team is a lower seed. But Regardless, I think TLU, you know, for some reason, uh, and there's there's a couple of factors in this, but they match up really well against Colorado College. I mean, we, I think we all know how tough it is to go play at Colorado College. Uh, you know, that's a place where Colorado College is 7-1 this year. Their only loss is to Texas Lutheran, right? I mean, Texas Lutheran went into Colorado College, into their home gym, playing at altitude, and found a way to win. They, you know, they do the same thing at home this past weekend. That's just a, a big deal for TLU to be making these strides. And I think where the program's at right now, they're trending in a very good direction. You know, this year started with their best start ever to the program's, you know, NCAA history. And, and that momentum has really continued. They play a lot of depth. They have a lot of depth on their roster. And that really seems to serve them well, especially in these SCAC weekends where you're playing Friday and Saturday. Those Saturday games, TLU has really come out strong and quite a few of them, and it's shown up in the record. Yeah, and if you look at it, the, the difference in the two or three seed means who am I playing in the first round? Am I playing a Shriner or an Austin College is really what it looks like right now. Uh, I'm not sure which one of those teams they match up better than, but I, I believe with TLU, a lot of it is about matchups. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, it's, it's interesting. You know, they, they really – competed well with Trinity as well. So, like, this is a TLU team that, you know, even if you're not paying attention to them right now, you you better start because in that SCAC tournament, there's going to be at least three teams this year, I think, with Trinity, Colorado College, and TLU that could all legitimately win it. Um, you know, Trinity's been better now. Uh, they're starting to find more of a rhythm. They play a tough non-conference schedule, dealt with some injuries. But – you know, this is certainly not a, a airtight kind of conference where you have one team at the top and everyone else chasing. 
look at those standings right now, and TLU and Colorado College are both in pursuit of Trinity. So it'll be interesting to watch the way the last few weeks play out. Is there any – do you make anything of the fact that TLU has played extremely well at home and has at times struggled on the road? They split with Shriner, yeah. beat them big at home, 80-48, to 48, and then lost on the return trip, 65-61. They have – and I ask that because Friday – they're playing Austin College, and they yeah. they beat Austin College pretty well by 23 in the first go-round a couple weeks ago at the end of December. Now they're playing them again, but it's on the road. Is there anything to their home and road splits? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. It's, it's interesting, and that's part of the reason I bring up that Colorado College win, you know, on the road because arguably that's the toughest place to play in a skag just with the altitude involved. Now, to mention how good Colorado College is, they won there, but it seems like outside of that, there's been some some serious inconsistencies when they go on the road. You know, it would be interesting, I think, at times, you know, when you get in these road environments, it just, you know, the feel, the atmosphere, and I don't mean atmosphere by even the crowd, but just, you know, the shooting backgrounds and the rims, and those are the types of things that can really get to you as a shooter uh, and, and in some ways may have played a role in what we've seen so far. And I think they know certainly that in order for them to really make a run at the SCAC title and break through this year, they need to find ways to, to start winning on the road. And again, it starts, starts with, with, with this weekend, the games that you mentioned, Corey. Look, travel issues happen, especially when you're in division three basketball. Uh, and so it, there could be any number of uh, it's hard. It's hard to, these road trips are not easy on these teams and on these players and, and everything. So yeah, it's there's very much a lot to be said about the home and road split, and that's why the conference tournament being in Centenary could play kind yep. of a role in yep. some of this uh, as well. And then you look at Mary. We look at the ASC right now. It's a it's a two two horse race uh, for the NCAA tournament. UMHB Harden Simmons. I think with UMHB, the win over Williamette and Hart, they they own the head heads over them. They own that regional. They look like a team if they continue to take care of business. Now, they did lose a game last weekend pretty significantly to East Texas Baptist. I want to touch on that because we didn't mention it uh, in the last part talking about the D3 men. Trinity has been dealing with some injuries. They will get those guys back, uh, and that can make a difference when they play in St. Thomas. UMHB, they've been without their best player uh, last weekend. Now, uh, I believe she's going to be coming back soon, Riley. Is yep. that that what you're yep. telling me? Yeah. Yeah, the, the thought is she'll be back soon. And just, again, at this point in the year, you want to be cautious with, with injuries. And so I, I certainly wouldn't blame them if they were just trying to be a little cautious right now uh, with, with her injury, just, just a minor, you know, ankle, but, uh, yeah, I think, you know, not having Ariana Roseboro certainly uh, played a role in that outcome there on the road. Again, tough environment at ETBU, no matter how good uh, ETBU is record-wise. I think ETBU is certainly getting a lot better, and Marshall is just a really tough place to play as well. That was a big weekend for ETBU. really helped kind of solidify their spot in the conference tournament with those two wins, which keeps their postseason hopes alive and that's a lot of confidence it's not just that they beat umhb without ariana uh it's that 
they beat them by 30, right? And that gives you a, a sense of confidence. Well, you got to be careful with it. Don't get ego in it, but a sense of confidence if you meet them again that, hey, we've done it. We know we can. We just have to execute. And I think for UMHB, they'll be fine. The question is, if UMHB is the gets the automatic bid, William Matt is ahead of Harden-Simmons. They also own two, three key wins throughout the regional there, including one over Trinity. Has Harden-Simmons women done enough for the ASC to be a two-bid league this year? Yeah, that's the biggest question, right? Because you're, I mean, at this point, Harden-Simmons has certainly taken some some losses. Um, you know, the, now their strength of schedule is, is solid, uh, but... It's going to be interesting the way these matches with Maryheart Baylor play out because they play Maryheart Baylor once more in Belton on February 17th, the, the final day of the regular season. There's a chance they also play them in the ASC tournament. And again, ASC tournament results do factor into the selection process, the regional rankings, and all those numbers. It'll be interesting if, say, Maryheart Baylor wins both of those games, how that affects Hart and Simmons' resume. I think for Hart and Simmons to feel comfortable, they probably need to win at least one. So whether you win the regular season or you win, obviously, the conference tournament and get the pool A, but I don't think it's going to be very easy for Harden-Simmons with the way some of these other conferences are going for them to lose twice. Now, that said, I think their win percentage is really solid. Uh, they, they've certainly done enough, but the question is, are, is some, some of these teams, is there a team in Region 10 that could jump them, possibly block them from getting to that pool C table early? So... Definitely something to keep an eye on there. Harden-Simmons, very talented team. But at this point in the year, you know, it comes down to some of those numbers that whether you lost a game in November or December, like some of those things can play a role now. Um, I do think Harden-Simmons, though, should feel should feel pretty good, maybe better than the Harden-Simmons men, to be honest with you, about their chances of getting in. But, again, this is not an exact science, and, and you never know with these things. I'll just add one more thing, Corey, with ETBU as well. Keep in mind, last year, UT Dallas women started off the season pretty rough. They ended up making a run, winning the entire conference tournament in Abilene and getting into the NCAA tournament. ETBU's taking a similar path this year, and it seems to be gaining some momentum. So definitely a team to be keeping an eye on at this point as a potential maybe dark horse here in the, the conference tournament race. Oh, no doubt. No, no doubt. Look, they – it's not that ETBU forgot how to play basketball this year. They they still have a very good team. They're going to be a team uh, to deal with there. And for the Cowgirls, they are very much going to be cheering for um, – but they don't win the conference tournament. They're going to be cheering for just chalk, right? They want UMHB. If they don't win, it, it either needs to be them or UMHB win the ASC tournament. They need that to happen. Uh, and then they also need Trinity to not stumble over there. Either of those two, and I think the Cowgirls' position becomes a lot more uh, questionable as soon as you, as soon as you enter the group, the pool C. If you've got any of these teams that were ahead of you or fringe ahead of you, they get up there. All of a sudden, you're out of a bid. So. Man, these conference tournaments are so, so important, especially at the D3 level. It, you know, I, I don't know. We need, we need to get ESPN or some, maybe uh, <laughs> Dave Campbell's Texan Live to start streaming these things, you know? 
Right, right. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, I tell you what, too, you want to talk about something pretty crazy. I'm just going to throw this out there quickly because I know we got to keep going. But we have a situation where UMHB and Harden Simmons will play the final day of the regular season, could play the following Saturday in the ASC tournament final, and then say both get in, they can't play each other in the first round of the NCAA tournament, but say they both win their first week in matchups, they could play the following Saturday for the right to go into the Sweet 16. That won't happen anywhere else in the country. Uh, we could get into all of that <laughs> at another time, but just an interesting scenario for those teams. Very likely all three matches will be in Belton. So it's going to be interesting for, for both Harden Simmons and Mary Harden Baylor the way these next several weeks play out. That is something that I love about the the postseason basketball at D two and D three because that is a possibility yeah. at uh, both at, at both of these levels. Uh, you see that a lot of times, and by the time they meet the team for the third time, they all hate each other. Only, and it's not like hate, like ah, we're, no, it's hate, like oh my god, I'm tired of facing these yeah. people. I yep. know them too well, right? So. <laughs> That makes it hard. Yeah, we're going to move on now. Division two men last week, Dallas Baptist took the dreaded road trip. Uh, West Texas A&M and Lubbock Christian did not go well. Look, WT matches up very well with DBU uh, in that pressure and that home and the crowd. Just too much. DBU has struggled inside that gym when they don't play WT. Whatever reason it is, but now WT just really solidified themselves on top of the South Central region uh, last week with that win and then the following with the win over uh, UT Tyler. But DBU, that loss wasn't good. But then to turn around, go on the road to Lubbock Christian, Riley, they picked up a very big win there by executing down the stretch. And I think in the process – they proved themselves to be the second best team in the South Central region. No question. I, I mean, that was a outstanding win, 74-71, to win on the road. And it's a tough place to play. Again, when we talk about tough environments, like that's a really, really tough place to go in there and get a win. And again, just some, some solid free throw shooting down the stretch. Like we talk about how important free throw shooting is. DBU did that. They did it pretty well. Um, especially late, just to seal that win. Now, again, took some solid defensive stands too, and you got to create the defense there um, against Lovett Christian. But, yeah, it's it's certainly a situation now where I think they're definitely the second-best team. And that's, you know, a, a fairly solid spot to be in considering how strong this region is as a whole. Uh, I think DBU has really been impressive this year, especially lately because, you know, after you lose a game like that, it can be tough then. You play another road game and kind of you try to get back in rhythm, but they found a way, found a way to win, and that's what's important this time of year. Well, it is, and the team that needed two wins last weekend desperately picked them up was Angelo State. You're talking about a team just decimated by injuries. They are, they are. I have heard that they're getting a, a player back this week, so that helps. Maybe the rotation goes from eight total to nine total, right? And some of those aren't scholarship. I mean, this is where they're at. Uh, when it comes to injuries, but they still picked up two big wins, including a huge win at home Saturday afternoon over St. Ed's where they had to come back in the final couple minutes. They were ahead uh, St. Ed's and the, the, you know, they, they came in the Hilltoppers fought back, had a lead Angelo state took it. They needed that. 
they they really desperately needed that good news and now in the Lone Star Conference these teams begin the second half of divisional play uh this week and that means that Angelo is going to have a trip that it's a big one Eastern New Mexico coming up Thursday and then Western New Mexico they take that tough trip and then they get to return home Lubbock Christian, that loss to DBU hurts. It's at home. It's inside the Rip Griffin. I understand. But look, Lubbock Christian has a chance to to get right back on track this weekend. They've got Midwestern State coming in, which they play very well against them at home. And then they get Cameron, who, by the way, the Aggies are a really solid team this year and not anyone to be overlooked at they're battling. They're on the they're on that bubble right now of the South Central region are the Aggies. So I think I think Lobbit Christian's okay. The team that really hurt themselves last week, uh, when it comes to the men, Riley, is Midwestern State. And I wouldn't normally say that about a team that goes one and one, but they pulled off the win at Arkansas Fort Smith. They go to Oklahoma Christian. They Oklahoma Christian hits a three with about three seconds left. Um, and it was reviewed. His feet were clearly behind the line. Big time win for Oklahoma Christian. Big time loss for MSU for multiple, multiple reasons. I cannot express enough why this matters. First off, they now... They, they lost to UTPB a couple weeks ago. So right now, MSU is in that ninth position in the conference. And in reality, they're not even there because they're tied with Oklahoma Christian, who now has the tiebreaker against them. And they Texas A&M International, you want to talk about somebody that helped themselves last weekend? The Dust Devils in a big way. Two big wins, including one over Eastern New Mexico. They're now, there's a three-way tie for ninth in the LSC and UTPB is one game ahead of them. International's in the best spot, Riley. They, they still play Oklahoma Christian. They still play MSU and they play St. Ed's this weekend. And they own the tiebreaker over Permian. International's a team that really took a step forward. And in the process, Midwestern state took a step down not for anything that happened against international, but for their loss at Oklahoma Christian, which honestly they couldn't afford. They're about to hit a four game. They're on a four game road trip. They got to go to Canyon and Lubbock this weekend. That is a very tough trip to get a win out of there would be massive. That's what the Mustangs have to focus on. They also have a, a road trip left to Permian and to Angelo. The schedule's hard for MSU, and that's why this weekend, I think the Dust Devils took a major step towards making it into the conference, and the Mustangs took a big step down. Yeah, I would agree with that, Corey. I mean, it's just tough when you drop below 500 in conference play, especially at this point in the year. And, and again, as you mentioned, just tough schedule ahead. I mean, this, this league is so difficult to begin with, but when you have you know this number of road games at this point in the year – it does make the challenge a little bit more difficult. And I think when you start to look at some of these scenarios towards the bottom of those conference standings, just in terms of – and towards the middle, I should say, but teams that are looking to find their way into that conference tournament, right, like you you really want to be in a spot where 
the schedule looks favorable to you where you've pulled out some some solid wins and certainly not taking any losses that you can't afford. You know, MSU taking that loss to Oklahoma Christian, it's just one of those plays, right? Like down the stretch, on the road, uh, you give up that three late. It's it's a difficult deal to swallow. Um, and again, at the same time, you know, international, as you said, they're, they got some momentum right now, right? And those teams, teams that start to find their rhythm at this point in the year, pick up some of that that momentum, start to get hot. They're they're dangerous, right? Because they come in now, they really, you know, they they know that they have the tiebreaker, that they really are in a good spot, but they got to keep winning. And a lot of times that can be a huge motivation factor in terms of just pushing a team forwards and possibly giving them a chance to, to win some big games that maybe they're the underdog in by a little bit. But, you know, you get a win like that, um, you know, like the, some of the opportunities they have moving forwards, right? It puts you immediately in a spot where now you're comfortably in. Uh, so so definitely interesting to see what international has done as of late. You know, the, the interesting thing for MSU to go back there is they played a lot of games at home early in this season. But right. here they are. They just began a stretch last weekend of four home games in their last 11. That's tough. That's very tough to do. And so they do host international, right? It, it's not all, it's not over for MSU, right, right. but they have the game at home. They, they go on the road to Lubbock and WT. Part of the problem for them is they're in the West division. That's a hard, hard division by far. Then they come home, they play Eastern New Mexico at home. And they have Western New Mexico, a team they beat handily on the road, but that team's going to come in ready. Uh, then they go on that road trip to Permian and Angelo. They come home, they meet a Kingsville team that is just flat struggling this year. Then these last two games, Texas A&M International at Cameron. Uh, Riley, I see, I mean, looking at this, I say there's two guaranteed wins and a whole lot of toss-ups for MSU, and that's not the side I want to be on uh, when I'm on the fringe of the bubble of the tournament. So I was just about to say, yeah, you you really you always try to want to look at at maybe what are the wins that seem closer to locks for us, where the games that are really going to be wild cards that we really need to win. I mean, there's two, so like you're really not in a position where you can afford a lot and and these are games that are going to be one possession two possession kinds of games so you gotta find a way to win those and and you know at least win a few of them but again difficulty is going on the road and trying to pull this off it's one thing if you're gonna be at home it's another thing if you're on the road and unfortunately for them a lot of these games even that game against Cameron which should be very important uh, could see that being a, a very pivotal game for Midwestern State it comes on the road, you know, final day of the, the, the regular season. Rivalry, too. Right. A rivalry game. And that, that rivalry tends to bring out a crowd in Lawton uh, in that gym that is uh, old, let's say. We'll, we'll call <laughs> it old. Um, it's uh, um, a retro. Is that what the kids say these days, Riley? Retro? That's what they say. Yeah, retro. We'll, we'll <laughs> hey, I, didn't, I just found out what the kids say. How about that? Uh, <laughs> Moving on to the women's side, I'm going to start with the team that, Riley, they hurt themselves last weekend. And I I, I don't know, I, I don't have words to put into how shocked I am that Lubbock Christian lost two games at home inside the Rip Griffin Center 
last weekend, and that has not happened to Lubbock Christian. They have not lost consecutive games at home in 15 years. 15 years. Riley, we're talking about a, a Lady Shaps team that went over 100 games in a row of wins inside the rip. They have four losses in yeah. the rip this year. I don't but here's the here's the crazy part, right? That hurts them. That knocks them down to the bubble of the regional rankings. They still have just as good a shot as anybody of winning the regional this year. That's how close all of these women's teams are once again in the South Central region. Yeah, I mean it's it's really crazy to see just the parity um, within the region. It's it's impressive. Certainly, a lot of programs that have elevated themselves, uh, but it was surprising to see that result. I mean, you kind of see that that final score. I mean, the thing is for for them, right, to be six and four at home, seven and one on the road. It's not really something you expect to see, right? You expect to see that number flipped a little bit. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting deal. Now, granted and credit to them, they've won on the road, right? So seven and one on the road, you like to see that, uh, they're, they're a very, very talented team, but, you know, just kind of met a, a couple of tough ones, uh, this past week. And, and, uh, you know, it's one of those deals where in this conference, especially you, you can't take a win for granted. And, uh, you know, they, they are playing tough teams, right? I mean, this is, this is what happens. It's interesting to me because Lubbock Christian is an older team, very experienced team. A lot of the teams in the South Central region are like that this year. Maybe that is, plays into them being more, you know, sometimes as you get a little older, you get more things going on at home, more things happening. Uh, maybe getting on the road is a chance for them to actually focus on basketball and maybe that'll protect lead to good things happening come regional playoffs. I, I really think it could when it when it comes to the regional, which could be held in Colorado right now. It could also be held in Denton. It could be held in Tyler. All of that went into a mix last week because the team that had the best weekend was Texas Women's. They left that road trip with two big wins. They went into WT, a team that, listen, WT had struggled and was struggling coming in. They matched up well with Texas women's and that was a game I had my eye on Thursday and they all, they had them. They had them. Texas women showed their ability, why they're, why they're so great, why they were so good last year and why they could be a host this year. They went and won both of those games really showed their, their fortitude late in the games on the road on, on both of those big time win for Texas women's and Beth Jilson and uh, Riley, that's a team that they, they, you would think they don't match it cause they're big, right? They've right. got scout Huffman. Right. They've, they've got, they got geez, player of the years, right? Like, I mean, this team is so, so stacked. And then now they got Avery Clinton's the at the addition of Avery Kleinhans into that rotation put Texas women's as very dangerous team. When you've got the size inside, now you have the ability 
uh, Ashley Ingram inside there. She's the player of the year, all candidate every time. You kick that ball out to a three-point shooter like Kleinens, who also, if you close out on her too fast, she's quick. She's going to get around yeah. you and get to the hoop. That that kind of takes away what was their weakness, which are teams that really play a fast pace. I think, I think TWU is in a good spot. I really do too, Corey. I mean, they, you know, the other thing I really like to see from them, and, and you talk about that win over over WT, uh, you, third quarters are big. You know, I think they're just big, especially when you get into situations like this on the road. Uh, they came out of that third quarter, 25-18. Uh, they outscored them. That was big, I thought, for the momentum, just for, for, for everything that it took for them to get back into that game after falling behind a little bit early. And again, first win for them in Canyon since 1981. Like, you let that sink in. And, I mean, those were the days back when, when West Texas A&M was West Texas State. You know, yeah. that, that's that's crazy. And then, you know, you look at the Lubbock Christian, first time they've ever won at Lubbock, you know, or in Lubbock, I should say. Uh, so that's a big deal for them to, to not only go and win these big, you know, these games against solid teams, but to win – they, you know, in places they really hadn't won before. Uh, so I think it shows that there is a lot about this team that is trending upwards, and they have a very good, very good group this year. I mean, you mentioned just the the talent uh, on the floor. They really don't seem to have a weak spot, and and those are the teams that have a chance to go far because again, they can play different styles when needed. And I think we've seen that through conference play with them as well. It's funny you mentioned that third quarter. Because uh, Thursday night after the game, I talked with uh, Josh Proc, the coach at West Texas A&M, and he goes, I, in the second half, I don't remember exactly when it was, uh, we got some players that I had to pull out with some foul trouble, and and they took advantage and went on the run. I went, yeah, third quarter, late third quarter. Yep. And he goes, is that when it was? I said, yeah, that's when they took control. And look, that's part of it, right? Depth. TWU has the depth. WT doesn't have that depth right now. And that's really uh, the difference there. And a team that split the weekend and I think took a little bit bigger hit than should have. And that's UT Tyler. They won at Lubbock Christian. Really, the last second shot with a second left. Uh, They line up in a four across on an out of bounds play. They get it in. Lubbock Christian kind of overplays the passing lane a little bit. Um, Makalova, Tina Makalova was able to slip in behind the defense, wide open, got just a, a layup right there at the bucket, at the buzzer to give UT Tyler the win. The problem is they didn't respond well on Saturday. And, and you know what? That was a WT team that we know they have talent uh, and we know they have ability. They haven't had the confidence. I think that game against Texas women's gave them some confidence and they used that against Tyler and they just exploited Tyler, especially in the second half. Yeah. I mean, that second half was really crazy Corey, because you go back and you just kind of look, you know, Tyler opens the game, you know, just up 21, 15, right. Then, you know, West Texas A&M just, you know, Pulls in a little bit of momentum. You know, they 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 outscore them by three in that second quarter. But then things just really turned in a wrong direction for Tyler. I mean, they, they shot, you know, what was it? They they made a total of six field goals in the entire second half, you know, back to back quarters of single digits. 
the, the we got to credit the defense of, of WT in this. Like that's that was impressive when you start to break down what they did well. And certainly some of it was Tyler just getting out of rhythm completely. But WT just I mean there wasn't foul trouble for Tyler. It wasn't like they had you know players that were off the floor for for great deals of time. But but WT just found a way. They matched up well and, and they really took charge. So nice bounce back win for WT, but really surprising, especially the margin for Tyler. Okay. Rebecca Alvidrez, if you're listening, please don't hate me. But I'm going to give the key as to why you lost and what the secret is, what your weakness is as a team, as Tyler. Right? And I don't think it's actually a secret, but I'm going to put it out in the uh, in the podcast world here. <laughs> Tyler packs the paint. You are not going to win a battle in the paint on Tyler which is what makes them so tough. You have got to hit your outside shots. WT matches up very well with that because they have shooters, Carly Modschenbacher and, and Asia Humira and some of the others, Stalder, Holly Stalder, she's doing outstanding. Uh, Zoe McBroom is a tremendous shooter from the outside. They also have... Uh, Burgess that they can put down inside. They have a nylon that Bach they can put down inside, right? And so what happens is they had the perfect mix to be to hang in there and beat a Texas Tyler. And and I'm gonna go look up the stats here so this way you can see exactly what I'm talking about because that's what uh, Alvidrez would want me to do right now, right? Like, <laughs> let me just prove that what I'm saying is correct. But when you look at the stats from that game against WT, you know what the game plan was going in. It's the hit from the outside. They're going to give you those shots, right? Like Tyler is like, if you can hit those shots, great. You're not coming into the paint. The key is to have the ability to rebound offensively and get some. So when you look at stats, three-point shots, WT 10 of 19. That was big. First off, that's the first key. You got to be able to hit 45, 50% from three to beat Tyler. Not easy, but you got to do it. Then you look at Thaybach, what she had in that game. She had 14 rebounds, 18 points. Put her down on that block and let her rebound and let her get some some putbacks and some easy scores, you know, some things of that nature. That's what they did. Uh, Motzenbacher had seven assists in that game, right? She only took one three-pointer, only took eight shots total, but she really ran that. And, and that also points to something that WT's missing. And, Brock, if you're listening, again, I'm sorry. I'm about to throw yours out there too. But, look, they need a point guard, Right. WT's point guard got hurt earlier in the year. They're missing a point guard. They need one uh, desperately. And in college game, if I think that's one reason why I think Lubbock Christian Riley has a good chance is because they do have oh. that point guard. Uh, they have Macy Maddox that uh, knows how to do it and get that offense rolling at times. The question for Texas women's was the point guard. Well, they've solved that now. They've got a point guard, and they went and found a shooting guard in Klein Hands too, who can also kind of go as a point as well. I, I think 
neither one of them is going to like what I'm saying, but that's the key, man. That's the key to UT Tyler. You got to hit those outside shots and try to get some rebounds. And and remember, those are long rebounds. You can't be under the basket to get offensive boards uh, if you're shooting three-pointers. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, too. Like, just as a, as a note along with that, WT only had – you know, four offensive boards in, in that in that game, right? So they were they were running their offense just very efficiently, right? They were they were shooting for a high percentage, making a lot of those shots. They didn't need the offensive rebounds necessarily to win. But again, you're right on, on that point as well for for you know both teams really. But I think you look there's there's certainly gonna be flaws, and we're seeing those as as teams play more games and match up against more teams it's easier and easier in a lot of ways to see where some teams are struggling and, and where maybe there could be improvement uh, that needs to be made. Hey, look, sophomore Kyla Kane and, and yeah. Proc and WT have a really, really good group of young players right now. And Kyla Kane had a breakout performance there. She yeah. took 12 shots, six of them from three-point range. Riley, she made more from three-point range than she did inside the arc. She was five of six from behind the arc and she was nine of 12 for the game. She put up in 26 minutes. She had 23 points and five big defensive rebounds as well. That's a huge game from a guard. Yeah. You talk about two depth. I mean, she came off the bench and did that. Right. So like, you know, WT has the pieces there and they do have some of that depth that comes off the bench. There were some productive minutes there from, from, from those bench players, which is nice to see as well. And part of what allows for you to win a game like that. Yeah. Well, and, and again, those Holly Stalder come off the bench. Uh, she yeah. put in some good minutes for them. Uh, Oda Boonmi, Rosemary Oda Boonmi, she put in 17 minutes, had uh, six rebounds, a pretty solid time. Uh, you know, this wasn't even a game that Zoe McBroom, like they, they, UT Tyler knew to cover her. She only took one shot, but she still played 15 quality minutes for them there. So that's big. That's a big thing there. Uh, let me see. Is there anything that I, that we might've been missing uh, in this episode, Riley? Oh, you know, Corey, we've covered so much, uh, you know, kind of as we're going through this, I'm, I'm looking to see if we left out any of the big storylines, but I think we've covered quite a bit on, on both the men's and women's sides. There's a lot happening at this point in the year, though. A lot of a lot of different uh, moving parts within these these leagues. There is. So what are we going to do? We'll be back next week. Uh, health, health willing and uh, God willing, we will be back next week, and we will discuss more of what happened this weekend. And I'm pretty confident to say, Riley, that we will – we will have another weekend with some teams that have questions and the teams that, that we think provided answers. I definitely think so, Corey. It, it'll be a lot of fun to follow. I mean, at this point in the year where, you know, yesterday marked uh, four, exactly four weeks till Selection Monday for, for the Division Three uh, tournament, obviously Division Two shortly after that in terms of their selection. So this is a fun time of the year, right? Teams are in their home stretch of the regular seasons. We have conference tournaments. We got conference tournament seeding to be paying attention to. So a lot to be keep up with and uh, very excited to see how it all unfolds. Even here on Zone Star State Podcast Network. Also, watch texasfootball.com backslash basketball. There will be some written content up there uh, likely this week. We'll 
probably on a Wednesday this week. We'll have some written content on whose stock went up and whose stock went down uh, ahead of what is a very busy realignment day for football fans. Riley cannot forget we still have football stuff to talk about. (laughs) Riley, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Also signing day coming up. Speaking of football, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you're not on Twitter right now, I have been seeing tons of people committing all over the place. Definitely go check it out. Riley's got a ton of them too, that he's been getting a lot of good crew commits coming. Keep keep an eye on that. Those are happening. We'll keep you up to date on everything football and everything basketball. And we hope to return here next week. Riley, I really appreciate it, man. I really appreciate the time. You be careful. Safe travels this weekend. Where are you heading to? Let me head up to uh, Rochester, New York, Corey. So looking forward to – it'll be a little bit colder than here in Texas, I think, and uh, better, better pack my winter gear. Let me but tell I you, always... I don't know if I, if I, we've gone over this, but Corey hates the cold. <laughs> I don't do well with it. And Rochester, New York sounds excruciatingly painful to me right now. It just yeah. does, right? Like <laughs> today, Wichita Fault, back in Texas, we finally decided to be winter that I like, right? Like 60s, 70s, sunny. Give me that all day long. Don't give me none of that crud that's going on at Rochester, New York, <laughs> man. That's got to be like incredible. Yeah, I I, I certainly don't blame you, Corey. I, I prefer this, uh, this <laughs> Texas winter over Rochester. 37 degrees today. I'm sorry, Riley. Uh, I hope you like the cold. I'll only be there for three days. I'll, I'll, be, able to, I'll be able to deal with it. But <laughs> it Boost is, your uh, immune system, man. Boost yeah, your immune system. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now, always enjoy always enjoy the podcast, Corey, and uh, appreciate the opportunity. Always great to, to talk Texas college hoops. Yes, sir. And until next week, we want to say thank you to everyone who is listening. We appreciate you as well. Uh, Thank you for listening and have a blessed week.